Worshiping God is at the very core of our Christian life. It is the chief and highest end of man. It is the very reason for our existence. God deserves our worship. God delights in our worship and desires it. But what is the kind of worship that God seeks and accepts? And with church buildings closed during this pandemic, what do we do? What does the Bible say about online worship? This is part 5 of our sermon series, The New Normal. And today, we're listening to Pastor Mackie as he tells us all about acceptable worship and if it's possible in online worship. Now, we continue with our series, The New Normal. The New Normal. Because this is the new normal now as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. We said that the COVID-19 literally changed our lives. It has changed the way we do things every day. We have to wear masks. We have to do social distancing. We have to frequently wash our hands. And we have to, you know, get used to working from home. We work from home. The home now is the worship place, the, you know, the workplace, the place where we hang out with our families and friends. So everything now circulates in the home. Last week, we talked about frontliners, that Jesus Christ is the master frontliner. And we have learned last week some principles how you and I, even though we are not doctors, we are not grab drivers, we are not cashiers or bank tellers, but you and I can serve as frontliners when we serve for Jesus Christ. Now today, in this pandemic, a lot of churches have been closed. You, you find signs and, and uh, bulletins announcing that the church is closed due to the pandemic and that people will only worship digitally or online. Now here in Bradford Church, we started our online worship last uh, March. And since that time until today, we've been used to worshiping the Lord online. So now our, our sala or our dining room becomes our worship hall. That's where we come together for communion. So today we are going to talk about online worship. That is part five of our series Online worship. What does the Bible say about online worship? There has been some talks about the validity of online worship. Is online worship acceptable? Because some, as you may know, some churches uh, in abroad, maybe, I don't know, here in the Philippines, but there are big churches in the States who continue to gather every Sunday for worship despite the government's warning. So, let us go to the Bible. What does the Bible say about worship? Is it wrong to worship online? Should we continue gathering together corporately, physically, despite the risk of the, the virus? Now, that is what we are going to talk today. But again, here in Bradford Church, uh, for the last few months, we've been used to worshiping and meeting together online. Sometimes you worship through our cell phones, and during Sundays, families are gathered, and the focus now is on the TV. And this has changed, radically changed the way we worship. Before, when we worship, we have to wake up early. We have to rush so that we can be on time in the worship now. We can simply, people simply relax in their salas, in their, uh, in their social hall, in the homes to worship. You know, that's where we do our communion, where we have our notes, okay? And we can simply relax. That's what you call online worship. Now, it's good that sometimes we you know, as we participate in the online worship, when it's time to stand, so we also stand and we also sing. And sometimes uh, the worship happens in the kitchen while, while mama is cooking, 
Mama is listening and watching the, the worship service. So it can happen anywhere. This is now the new normal, worshiping the Lord online. So online worship. Now, as we are going to talk about worship this morning, I'd like us to go to the Gospel of John. Our, our passage this morning is taken from the Gospel of John, right? The Gospel of John. And this particular passage in John chapter 4, we find here the famous uh, encounter and chit-chat of Jesus Christ with a Samaritan woman. Okay, Jesus Christ with a Samaritan woman. So Jesus Christ, to give you a, a background of this of this passage, you know, Jesus Christ is headed towards uh, Galilee from Judea, but then he wanted to pass by Samaria. Now we need to understand that Jews and Samaritans they don't want to see eye to eye. In fact, the disciples were were confused and even perplexed why Jesus Christ wanted to pass by Samaria. There is a different road from, from uh, Judea going back to Galilee where most of the ministries of Christ are found. But Jesus said, we have to pass by Samaria to a town called Sikar. Now, we know that Jesus Christ has a specific purpose. He has his own itinerary for the day. He has to pass by Samaria. And so we find here that while Jesus Christ was resting, he was, he was uh, thirsty. He, they, you know, they stopped by a, a well, and that's where Jesus Christ uh, met the Samaritan woman. So Jesus Christ was talking to the Samaritan woman over uh, Jacob's well, and Jesus Christ introduced himself. And here the conversation started with Christ offering the living water. Right? So that's the context here. So Jesus says, you know, I can give you the living water so that you don't have to come and fetch water. Even though the woman did not understand that Jesus Christ was talking about spiritual things. So from their talk about living water, that Jesus Christ is the way to this living water, that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world, somehow the woman changed the topic because Jesus Christ became personal already, you know, with the woman. And so trying to evade the discussion, the woman changed the topic and talks about worship. So that is why in verse 20, we find here the shift from the topic on the living water to worship. And this is where I want us to understand and put our perspective. What about online worship? Is it biblical? Is it okay? Is it acceptable to God when we worship online, when we don't have to go to the church, to the building, you know, to our worship hall during Sundays, right? But this is the answer of Jesus. Woman, Jesus replied, Believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. Christ is talking about a particular time when worship is no longer limited to places. Yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. So we ask the question, what is worship? What is worship? That is our lesson today. We need to understand what is worship because I'm afraid that most people today come to, to websites, come to Facebook, YouTube or wherever, social media where they can find the online worship service and then end up expecting what they can get out from it. See? It's like people simply go to websites just to listen and, you know, I want to be blessed today. 
And so, we can simply choose a variety of preachers. We can hop from one website, church website, to the other. Now, question, is worship happening there? Right? Is worship happening there? So many people do that today. They want to go to some online worship gathering and expect to get something out from it. But let me tell you this. When that is our way of understanding worship, worship has not happened. Because worship is not about us getting something from what we are listening. That is not worship. So if, if that is how people perceive worship today, then so many people have not really worshipped God on a given Sunday. Even if you have heard countless sermons and preachers, worship has not happened. Okay? Why? Because worship is not about getting something from it. On the other hand, worship is the reverse. Let me borrow a very simple definition of what worship is from uh, Dr. John MacArthur. Okay, worship is giving honor to a superior being. That's the simplest definition of worship in general. In other words, in general, worship is giving honor to a superior being. So worship is giving, not taking. Right? Most of the people today, the concept of worship is, I want to sit down, I want to listen to what Pastor Mackey has to give me today. That is not worship. Okay? Because worship is we giving honor to a superior being. And for us Christians, our superior being is God. And the word that Jesus Christ used, and by the way, it's noteworthy that the word worship in our passage from verse 20 to 24 appears 10 times. Yes, 10 times. From verse 20 to 24, like there are two words worship in every verse. So we find here that Christ is emphasizing, and fr friends, this is the most important passage in the New Testament about worship. This is very important uh, theme and passage because here Jesus Christ is teaching us and we find here the, the change, the transition from the Old Testament to a New Testament, right? So Christ is giving now the transition how people ought to worship today, right? Not anymore the same as they worship in the Old Testament, right? So the word that Jesus Christ used in this passage is proskone. Okay, proskone, that's the, the common uh, word for worship. The other word is liturgia, where we get the word liturgy. But the word that Jesus Christ used 10 times in this passage, John chapter 4, verse 20 to 24, is proskone. What's the meaning of the word proskone? In the verb, it's proskoneo. It literally means to kiss toward. It came from the ancient custom of prostrating in the ground and kissing the hand or feet of a superior being. Okay? That's the word. That's, that's how the Greeks use the word, and that is the word used by Christ. And if you apply it to our Lord, basically it means to kiss. To kiss is a sign of reverence to prostrate, proskoneo, to prostrate. And, and that is best illustrated, remember, when that uh, adulterous woman who was judged by the Pharisees, you know, who came to Jesus Christ, just prostrating herself on the ground and trying to reach out and kiss the, the feet of Christ. Okay? That's worship. So friends, the essential element of worship, of biblical worship, is, is giving honor to God. It's giving honor to God. It's not taking. A lot of times people think that, you know, it's, it's Sunday, it's online worship, we open our Facebook, we open YouTube, and then 
We expect to get something. We expect to be blessed. All right? Now, I'm not saying that, that you know, we are not supposed to be blessed, but I'm, what I'm saying is that that is not worship. Worship, when we say, I will worship the Lord, online worship, it's about giving honor to God. It's not about us. All right? Worship is... It's not thinking about, you know, I want to be blessed today. You know, I want to be entertained by the pastor today. That's not worship. Worship is, what can I give to the Lord today? What do I have that I, I can offer to my God today? That is worship. Friends, worship is, is the very core of our Christian life, our worship to God. It is the chief and highest end of men. It is the very reason of our existence. In fact, Christianity is, is, you know, simply defined as people who worship the true God. That's how we define what it means to be a Christian. Christians are God worshipers, the worshipers of the biblical God. Okay, that's who we are. And that's the, the, the essence of the church. God saved us from the world so that we can worship Him, right? Now, we need to understand that the goal of sal salvation is worship. Do you know that? Remember John chapter 4, Jesus presents Himself to the Samaritan woman as the Messiah, the Savior. And then the woman changed the topic into worship, but Jesus Christ is able to stitch it together perfectly. You know why? Because the goal of salvation is worship. Friends, I want you to memorize that. If you forget everything that I am talking today, don't forget this phrase. The goal of salvation is worship. The reason why God saved us from sin, not that we can go to heaven, not that we can enjoy everlasting life. All those things are good, but all those things are just the results. But the ultimate reason why God redeemed us so that we can worship Him, the purpose of, of salvation, the purpose of the redemption plan of God is to change sinners into worshipers. Amen? The reason why God saved me and God saved you, the reason why Jesus Christ died on that cross so that He can, what? He can gather for Himself worshipers. And we find that illustrated in the Old Testament. Remember remember the, the Jews when they were under the slavery of the Egyptians for 300 years? That's an illustration of our faith. And, and this is repeated several times, more than 10 times in the book of Exodus. God is always saying to Pharaoh, let my people go. Why? So that they can go to the promised land? So that, no, that's just a means. Why should they go to the promised land? Let my people go so that they may worship me. And you find that. I want you to search that in your scripture and you find that repeated in the whole of Exodus. So we find there, friends, the goal of salvation the reason why God redeems people from slavery of sin so that we can worship Him. So worship is the most important thing. And in the New Testament, Paul also mentions this, 2 Corinthians 4.15, all this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people, the grace that is reaching, what, what is that? Salvation. You know, so that more and more people are saved. Notice this. What's the purpose why we need to save more people? So that it may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Amen? So, the goal of salvation is worship. Jesus Christ came so that He can transform us sinners into worshipers. Amen? And so, having understood what worship is, so worship is giving, it's not taking. 
It's giving to God. So what kind of worship, what kind of worship that God accepts and seeks? What kind of worship? That's what we are going to talk. What kind of worship that God accepts and seeks? Okay? Now, this particular Sunday, we are going to talk about, you know, we are going to, to differentiate, you know, abominable worship and acceptable worship. Okay? From our passage, John chapter 4, verse 20 to 24. So first, we need to understand what kind of worship God hates that is abominable to God, that God detests. What is that kind of worship? All right? So, abominable worship. What do you mean by abominable? Abominable means something that is loathsome, detestable, hateful, con contemptible, disgusting, revolting, repulsive, offensive, repugnant, abhorrent to God. Okay? In other words, it is something that God hates. It is something that, that God dislikes and something that is unacceptable to God. Okay? There are abominable things mentioned in the Bible, and God doesn't want to be worshipped in those ways. Look at Deuteronomy uh, 12.31. Deuteronomy 12.31. You shall not worship the Lord your God in that way. For every abominable thing that the Lord hates, they have done for their gods referring to the pagan nations. God is saying, don't follow. Don't copy the abominable things that these people do in their worship. That is why God says, be careful as you enter the promised land. Be careful that you don't imitate those people because their form of worship to their gods are abominable. God has a specific way to be worshipped not in the ways the world worship their gods. In Amos 5, 21 to 23, here also God expressed His disgust over abominable worship. Amos 5, 21 to 23, I hate, I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though they bring choice fellowship offerings, I will have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps. See? So there's a form of worship that somehow people thought that, you know, this is nice way to worship God. This is a new way to worship God. This is the kind of worship that I want to worship God. Friends, God is not accepting just any form of worship. The Bible gives us the ways to worship Him. And so, here, as Jesus Christ was talking to the Samaritan woman, we are going to learn what are some of the forms of worship that is unacceptable or abominable to our living God, all right? So first, a worship that is based on ancestry. Worship that is based on ancestry. What is this form of worship? It's a worship that, that you, you know, your ancestors simply pass on to you. We, we, this is very common here in the Philippines. We always say, you know, Maumani mong nandan. This is what's passed on to us by our, you know, older people. Katigulangan. See? Notice the woman. Verse 20. Our ancestors worship on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. See? So, the woman is saying, you know, you have to understand that, that the Samaritans the Jews hated them because the Samaritans, these are the northern people, the northern tribe who intermarried with Gentiles. Right? Now remember when the Assyrians came and destroyed the northern kingdom, the Assyrians assimilated the culture, intermarried with the Jews, and so that, 
that place there, the Samaria capital, became the Samaritans. And until now, there are still Samaritans uh, in Israel, in that area. Only very few of them. But during the time of Jesus Christ, there is what? There is that hard animosity between the two, right? The Samaritans worship in Mount Gerizim, while the Jews worship in Jerusalem, right? So they have their own form of worship. And according to this woman, well, this is how we worship. This is how our ancestors taught us how to worship, okay? But friends, the problem with this kind of worship is that it is simply based on tradition. It doesn't mean that it's old. It doesn't mean that it's a worship of antiquity. Does it make it right? Okay. Like we say, you know, for so many years, this, this has been what our forefathers taught us. Well, that's what the woman says. Our ancestors worship in this mountain, but Jesus Christ corrected her. In Isaiah 29, verse 13, this is what God said. These people come near me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Right? So, this is what we call just a religious worship, ritualistic worship. You simply go through the motion because this is what, this is, what is passed on to you. So, you simply followed it without knowing and understanding whether it is right or wrong. Their worship of me is based on merely human rules they have been taught. See? That is unacceptable to God if, if it's just tradition, if it is just ritual. Friends, listen. Ritual without the reality of God is rubbish. Rubbish before God. God is not, you know, God is, is not delighted with, with just rituals, right? No matter how, how old that tradition is, okay? And, and in the Philippines, there's so many. You know that there are thousands of churches in the Philippines, but I wonder, I wonder if worship really is happening on a daily basis. No question, we have so many places of worship in the Philippines, whether it's Catholic or Protestant or Evangelical. Some worship in old cathedrals, some worship in, in theaters, some worship in big arenas, so many places. But friends, when people go to church, do they know what worship is? Is real biblical worship really happening? Because I know a lot of people simply go through the motion of it and ending the day without ever worshiping God. It's so sad. The second, the second worship that Jesus Christ corrected, worship that is focused on what? Address. The address. In other words, we have to be there. You know, I have to be there. You know, if, if it's not in this worship hall, if it's not in this cathedral, then worship has not happened, right? So, in other words, it's a worship that is limited to a place or location. And, and that's the Old Testament way. Remember, the Old Testament, their, their focus of worship is Jerusalem, the temple, all right? For the Samaritans, their focus of worship is Mount Gerizim. So for them, they have this idea, if it's not in this place, then God is not there. That's a worship that is focused on address, as if God is limited to a specific place. Look again, the woman, our ancestors worship on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. So the woman was expecting Jesus to argue, you know, to debate. In other words, which mountain you know, do you think God really exists or God, God's presence is there? Is it in Mount Gerizim or in Jerusalem? But you know the answer of Jesus? Neither. <laughs> Neither. Jesus said, woman, 
Believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. And that's where we find our principle for online worship. Friends, if you ask me, is it okay to do worship this way? I would say yes, because Jesus said, a time is coming when worship is no longer confined to a particular location. All right? And we will talk more later on. So Jesus Christ corrected her. Jesus Christ did not argue. The woman was expecting that Jesus Christ would, would do a debate, you know, like, you know, Jesus has to prove that it's, it's Jerusalem, it's the holiest mountain and not Mount Gerizim. But Jesus says, no. A time is coming that not even Jerusalem, the holy mountain of God, is limited or is the only place where we can worship. And that time has come. That's why now, as I've said, we worship at home. You know, we can worship anywhere. When we are in our cars, we can worship in the car. Because now, worship is not limited to an address. Amen? And the third form of false worship or abominable worship, worship that is aimless. Worship that is aimless. Look at verse 22. Jesus said, You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. What is aimless worship? Aimless worship is, again, simply going through the motion without ever perceiving and thinking if you are really communicating with God. Aimless worship. It's just ritualistic worship. You don't know who or what you are worshiping. You simply follow. You know, it's aimless. It's blind worship. Or I also call it, it's empty worship. And Paul mentions it when he was visiting you know, a Greek city you know, in Athens. When, when, when Paul was looking around, right? This is what he said. He as he was looking around the city, Acts 17, 23, For as I walk around and look carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription. What is that inscription? To an unknown God. To an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship, Paul said. To an unknown God. That's aimless worship. People, you know, just go through the motion. Before lockdown, before COVID-19, we, we go to church because that's, that's the usual thing. That's the custom. We just go to church. You go through the singing, you stand up, you sit down, you raise your hand. But then, there is no worship with perception. That's not worship. Okay? That's aimless worship, and that is wrong. According to Jesus, that is wrong. All right? So that is abominable worship. Worship that is based on ancestry or traditions, worship that focuses on location or address, and worship that is aimless. Now we go to what? The acceptable worship. Now Jesus, having clarified what is wrong, now Jesus Christ is teaching the woman, woman, I want you to know how to worship God, you know, truly. How to worship God that God accepts, all right? Acceptable worship. God is looking for acceptable worship. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1, you know this verse, right? Jesus said, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, because of the mercies of God, to present your bodies. Again, the mercies of God, that's, that's talking about salvation. See? The goal of salvation is what? Is worship, you see? So Paul is saying, because God has been merciful to you, okay, so what are you supposed to do? Present your bodies as living sacrifice. See, worship is not taking. Worship is presenting. 
present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, and notice this word, and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Which is your spiritual worship. Worship is always about giving. And friends, in the Old Testament, you cannot, you cannot separate worship and sacrifice because that is how God taught them. Right? In the Old Testament, when they worship, it always involves what? The sacrifice of animals. Right? And you, you, you probably you are wondering, what's the connection of sacrificing animals and worship? Friends, that's the essence of worship. The goal of salvation is worship. Friends, when they sacrifice animals, it, over, it, it, it uh, foreshadows what? The death of Christ. It foreshadows the sacrifice of Christ. Because God is teaching them, you, the only way you can worship me is for you to be saved by my son. Amen? So whenever they sacrifice, they worship God. Why? Because people who are not saved cannot worship God truly. That's why we have to be saved first. That's why there has to be sacrificial offering in order for them to worship. But that's the Old Testament Christ came and sacrificed Himself. Christ brings us to the Father. So friends, the only way for us and our worship to be acceptable is when we have Jesus Christ as our Savior. Amen? When you have received the mercies of God. Acceptable worship. So the question now is, what is acceptable worship according to Jesus? All right? All right, so please... Go to your notes now. Here's the first one. Worship that God seeks and is acceptable to Him is an attitude. Okay? Worship is an attitude. It has nothing to do with location. It has nothing to do with rituals. No. Rituals, yes, in the Old Testament. But Jesus says, time has come. Alright? Before, it is what? It was... Rituals, but now it is not. It is right relationship. Look at verse 21. Woman, Jesus replied, Believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. Jesus is saying, Woman, you had it all wrong. It's not about, you know, ancestry, it's not about address. It's about attitude. You know, you cannot limit attitude to place. You cannot limit attitude to a, a building. Worship has nothing to do with a building. Worship has nothing to do with location. Worth, worship has all to do with what? Right attitude towards God. The attitude of giving honor. That is why online worship for me is okay. We can do online worship. You know why? Because Jesus said it, a time is coming when it's not just in this mountain or in our mountain that we worship. Because again, during the time, their worship was what? It was limited to specific places. For the Jews, they can do worship when they go to Jerusalem. For, for, for the Samaritans, they have to go to Mount Gerizim. But Jesus Christ is looking forward to a time. Verse 23, Yet a time is coming, future, and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father, take note, in spirit and in truth. In spirit and in truth. You know what Jesus Christ is saying there? In spirit and in truth. He's saying it has nothing to do with Ancestry, it has nothing to do with address. It has to do with the attitude of your life. In spirit, heart, in truth. It's attitude. And so worship is not confined to some cathedrals. You know, even though the normative way of worshiping God is to come together, you know, corporately, but because of the circumstance today, because of the risk, we have to worship 
in our homes. And that is still worship. Remember in the Old Testament, they have to go to Jerusalem. But in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, notice the transition from the old, you know, the old becoming obsolete and the new covenant coming into its, you know, its blooming stage. What happened to the new covenant? Suddenly people are worshiping in their homes. They are breaking bread in their homes. They are praising God in their homes. So, this pandemic situation is like we are going back to the New Testament church. Friends, remember in the first century church, there were no cathedrals, there were no buildings. The, the brethren, they gathered together in homes. Look at Acts chapter 2, you find it there. They are meeting in, in you know, during Sabbath, they meet in the temple courts, but during the first day of the week, they meet in their homes. The Christians meet in their homes. Why? Because worship is attitude. Okay? Worship is attitude. And Jesus said, they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. So friends, we find here that God, the Father, is seeking for worship. If there's something that God is seeking today, it's worship. God is seeking worship. Friends, God is not seeking for your money. See, it's not money. Even if you give money to the church, but if it is given not in a worshipful attitude, that is not acceptable worship to God. But when you offer your tithes, when you offer your offerings to God worshipfully, in other words, giving honor to God, then those Offerings, according to Paul in Philippians chapter 4, verse 18, it says there they are what? Sweet-smelling offerings before God. So friends, the heart of worship is the worship from the heart. You get that? The heart of worship is worship from the heart. It's attitude. Amen? It's attitude. That is why whether you are worshiping at home, in your office, in our church, what matters to God is not the location, but it's the heart's location. Where is your heart when you worship? So it's not the matter of the location of the, of the church. It's a matter of the location of our hearts. When we worship, when we worship today, is God, is God at our hearts. Amen? So what kind of attitude that God is seeking? Psalms 51, verse 16 to 17, For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it, or you will not be pleased with a burnt offering. See? These are Old Testament rituals. But even then, even David knew it's not the sacrifice. The sacrifice of God are what? A broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise, you see? So the, the bringing of the animals, those are just what? The rituals. But the reality, God is looking the heart. Amen? God is looking at the heart. How are we giving the offering? That's what God is looking. That's what God is searching. That is worship. Worship happens in the heart, friends, because it's an attitude. So my question for you, how is your heart today? As you are worshiping and listening to me, are, is your heart focused on God? Or you are just like watching this? Service the same way as you watch movies and other things in YouTube. Okay. What's your attitude? Second, worship that God seeks is accurate. Okay, worship that God seeks is accurate. You cannot just invent you know, your own ways. You cannot just say, well, I, I like to worship God this way because, you know, when I worship God this way, it, it it makes me feel God's presence so much. Friends, God doesn't care, you know, you know, about what you feel in worship. 
what God cares is what He feels. Because worship is for Him, not for you, not for me. So what is accurate worship? Look at verse 22. Jesus said, You Samaritans worship what you do not know. In other words, that's why your worship is wrong. Because your worship is empty. Your worship is aimless. And Jesus says, we worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews. What, what, what is Jesus talking here? What we do know. So, worship, friends, you know, it's not about where. It's about who. Okay? Accurate worship is knowing who you worship. The Samaritans, because they have been away from the Jews, away from, you know, from the prophets, what happened to them is that they have forgotten their God. And so their worship becomes just ritualistic. Same thing with the Jews. For salvation is from the Jews. What does that mean? It means that salvation comes from the Jews because the Savior is a Jew. The covenant was given, given to the Jews. Okay? Now, three aspects of accurate worship. Okay, please follow through here. Three aspects of accurate worship. Okay? When Jesus Christ explains to this Samaritan woman, what is, what is acceptable worship? What is that worship that God is seeking, that God is looking for? Right? Three aspects of accurate worship. First, the when. When part. The when, already but not yet. Notice verse 23. Jesus said, Yet a time is coming, future, and has now come, present. So this is amazing. Okay? This is both future and present. That's why we call it already but not yet. A time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. So the when part of accurate worship is this. A time is coming that's still future because when Jesus Christ was speaking to the woman, this is still what? Transition. What is that coming? It's when Jesus finished His work. Because when Jesus Christ was speaking to this woman, He has not yet died on the cross. So it's still future. Why? The cross is crucial to worship. Because the cross changes everything. The cross changes even the way people worship. Because the cross means that the Old Testament ritualistic way has ended. A new way has come. But then Jesus Christ has said, and has now come. Why? Because He is talking about Himself. The only way for people to worship accurately is through Christ. I hope you understand that. When Christ says, a time is coming, future, because Jesus Christ is still going to die on the cross and has now come. I am here with you. Friends, Jesus is presenting Himself as the Messiah, as the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Him. We cannot, listen, people cannot worship God accurately unless they come to Christ. Jesus is the only way to accurately worship God the Father. And so any other religion cannot worship God. This is where worship becomes exclusively through Christ alone. I hope that is clear. When Christ becomes our Savior, when Christ becomes our Lord, then we can worship God accurately. See? That's the when part. Next, the who. Okay? The woman was, when, when they were talking about worship, the woman was focused on the where, but Jesus focused on the who. Right? Look at verse 23. Yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers, notice this, will worship the Father in spirit, and in truth, will worship the Father. So the, the, focus, the focus of Christ is the Father. He is the object of worship. When we worship, the point of Jesus is this. Online worship 
you should not be, you know, you should not be bothered by what? By other things. The focus is what? The object, the Father. Because if you are not focusing on the Father, then there is no worship happening. You are simply watching, not worshiping. As I have said, every Sunday, so many people, so many Christians are watching a service, not worshiping God. That's the problem. We are simply watching. You know, watching and, you know, trying to appreciate the preacher, okay, or make a critic. As I've said, worship is not what the preacher can give. It's not what the praise and worship can give. No. Worship is what I can give to God on that Sunday. And the focus of worship, friends, to make it accurate, it has to be addressed to the Father. Amen? It has to be addressed to the Father. And why, Father? Why, why do you think Jesus did not say when the true worshipers will worship God? Why the Father? You know why? Because accurate worship is about relationship. Again, you cannot worship God if you are not His child. You have to be His child. And the only way for us to become His child is through Christ. Amen? The goal of salvation is worship. Look at John 1, 12 to 13. Yet all, to all who receive Him, that's Christ, to all who believe in His name, He gave them the right, take note, to become children of God. To become children of God. We have to be saved first. We have to receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior so that our worship becomes acceptable to the Father. Right? So that's the who. And the third aspect of acceptable worship, the how. Spirit versus substitute. Notice this again. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, God is a spirit, and His worship, worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. In other words, friends, we cannot simply invent ways to worship God. Here, Christ is already giving us theology of worship. How should we worship God? We have to worship God by His essence. What is the essence of God? He is a spirit. And you cannot substitute the Spirit. See? He doesn't want any substitute, any replica, any symbolism. Because you cannot symbolize a Spirit. God says, I am a Spirit. And so when you worship me, you have to worship me and commune with me in Spirit and in truth. All right? Now, Isaiah talks about this in Isaiah 40, verse 18 and 28. God is saying, with whom then will you compare God? To what image will you liken Him? To whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One. So, so if, 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 you, if you look at the verses that I skipped, you know, 19, 20, it mentions there about idols. Because this is the point of Isaiah. God is saying, to what image will you liken me? Can, can you fabricate, you know, silver and to make it spirit? Can you carve, can you carve wood to make it a spirit, to look like a spirit? What does a spirit look like? Nothing. See? That's the point. So the point of God is this. If you want to worship me, do not use substitutes. Because nothing exists in this world to substitute me. That's what God is saying. If you want to worship me, you have to follow the Bible. I am a spirit. Therefore, if you worship me, it has to be a spiritual thing. Amen? It is not a physical thing. It's a spiritual thing. And if there is no spiritual life in you, there is no worship. That's why you have to be born again. God has to give birth to what? To your spirit so that we can worship Him. See? People who are not saved cannot worship God acceptably. That sounds so harsh, but that is the truth. We need 
to be saved first to worship God acceptably. And the third and the last, acceptable worship, worship that God sees is what? Authentic. You say it, authentic. What do you mean by authentic? It means, you know, it's real. It's genuine, right? It's genuine. It's, it's from the heart without hypocrisy, okay? That's the other meaning of the phrase in spirit and in truth, right? When the Bible says, a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers worship the Father in spirit and in truth, okay? For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. You know what that means? It means that when you come to me, you have to come to me with the sincerity of your heart. Because the phrase in spirit, okay, does not necessarily mean, right, the Holy Spirit. No, it doesn't mean the Holy Spirit. It's in spirit. In other words, because God is spiritual, you have to come to Him in a spiritual way. In other words, we have to come to Him with sincerity of our spirits. According to Rick Warren, we can worship God imperfectly, but we cannot worship Him insincerely. See? Are you sincere? Are we authentic? Are you real when you worship? Or you're just going through the motion of it? See? Like it's Sunday, so you have to, you know, you have to set up your laptop. You go through the motion, but then you are so detached. When the Bible says the true worshipers that God is seeking are those who worship Him in spirit and in truth. In other words, it should involve your whole person, your emotion. God is an emotional God. God is a personal God. And so, it must involve. So, so when, when the song talks about praise, then we have to be joyful. When we are convicted of our sins and we need to cry, then we have to cry. In other words, be authentic in your worship. Don't give God a flat, a dead and empty worship. Again, that is the complaint of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said, These people honor me with their lips. Notice this, but their hearts are far from me. In other words, there is no authenticity in their worship. They simply go through the rituals, the motion of singing. Some people are not even singing when they attend worship, they just look. So now, online worship is simply like watching any videos in the YouTube. And so if you think you are worshiping right now, but then you are not authentic in your worship, I tell you, you have not worshipped God today. You are only watching me, but not worshiping God. Because God is looking for the heart. Jesus said, they worship me in vain. Their teachings are what? Merely human rules merely human rules so there we have it friends that's the kind of worship that god accepts and is you know god is seeking god is seeking the attitude of our hearts god is seeking accurate worship based on the bible not you know some inventions and it has to be authentic see God is expecting us every Sunday. God is, is excited to meet us. Are we going to spoil the excitement of God because of our empty worship, because of our aimless worship, because of our thoughtless worship, because of our emotionless worship, because of our insincere worship? Attitude, accurate, authentic. That's the kind of worship that is acceptable to God. Let me close with Hebrews 12, 28 to 29. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Oh, the Bible says let us be grateful. Friends, if, if you are in Christ today, if you've received Christ as your Lord and Savior, you belong to the unshakable kingdom of God. Amen? You belong to the unshakable kingdom of God. And notice this, because, again, 
The goal of salvation is worship. Because we have entered into the kingdom of God. Notice this. And thus, let us offer to God, what are we supposed to offer? Acceptable worship. Acceptable worship with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. For our God is a consuming fire. Brethren, I hope that I was able to share God's Word to you completely, accurately. I hope that it has moved us, our whole being, to understand what is real worship. And I hope that in, in application, when we come to our online worship service, whether online or, God willing, when we can go back to our congregational worship, I hope that worship really is happening every Sunday. Amen? When we give honor to God. And so the question is, what can I get from the worship? No. The question now is, what can I give to God to honor Him? Thanks for tuning in. Subscribe to this podcast to get weekly sermons and follow us on Facebook to stay updated. God bless you today.